0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Trio. At this time, I'm going to ask Pastor Parada to come to the platform. We praise the Lord for this man and his many years in the ministry, 29 years there in Long Beach, been a pastor, been in ministry now for 35 plus years. And we are so thankful for his love for the Word of God, his love for the next generation. And we are so thankful that he could be here today. Let's all stand at this time and welcome Pastor Parada to the chapel services. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here, a privilege for me to preach to you. Uh, I was young once. (laughs) He was asking me about years in the ministry, and um, when I tell people that I've been in the ministry for 35 years, they don't believe it. They say to me, you don't look that old, but yet I have driven those miles. (laughs) Uh, go to, to your Bibles, to Philippians 2.12. If I start speaking another tongue, don't worry about it, it's not tongues like the Pentecostals, it's Spanish. <laughs> so it's not my fault that you won't understand. <laughs> but uh, I have been preaching all my life in Spanish, it's rarely when I do speaking English or preaching English. But I think I can do a good job. I hope my wife wrote a good message here. <laughs> and I can just read it, right? So Philippians 2, 12. I will read verse 12. You read 13 with me and then the 18th verse we read it together. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which broke in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless, let's hold it together, and harmless the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of our crooked and perverse nation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yeah, and if I. It's altogether 18. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And I pray for the privilege that you have given me. And I thank you. And I pray that you will use this time. Lord, I just want to be a blessing to these young people. I rejoice to see so many of them. And I rejoice that one day they're going to be serving you full time somewhere. Lord, you know who they are. And I pray that you will use them in a mighty way. And they will remember this time as a time of uh, very importance in in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm gonna take the title of this message from verse twelve. It says, Work out your own salvation. I was looking up in the dictionary, Webster says that work out it is literally to bring about something by labor and effort. Something that you have to make an effort to produce. That's why it says work out your salvation. Uh, another meaning could be exercise, take up, practice, get busy, keep busy, and stay active. It's not promoting salvation by works. Because if you don't read it right, it could mean that. <laughs> work out your own salvation. In Spanish, we have to be careful because the way it says it, it could mean like, you know, start working towards your salvation. And we know that we're saved through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ made, made it all possible for you and for me. So, but at the same time, it says that we have to stay busy. We have to make an effort. But again, it says your own salvation. Exercise your own salvation. We're supposed to uh, take up our salvation and be active and stay active in our own salvation. We're supposed to be doing something about it. You know, we live in a day where a lot of people want to be saved. And they want to receive Christ as their own Savior. But they don't want to take him as his Lord, as their Lord. They don't want to serve him. They want Christianity without responsibility. And if you're not careful in the ministry, you can go into the ministry as a profession. Just to be working somewhere. But you have to know that before the Lord, you're going to give an account of what you did with your life. But you're preparing him not for a job. You're preparing him for a ministry. And you have to understand now that you're young because uh, you're starting things in life, and you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be discouraged. So you have to learn now that it doesn't matter what other people do. You're responsible for your own life, your own salvation. Because you have to take it personally. And sometimes I I talk to young people and say, I'm discouraged. Young pastors say, I don't want to be in the ministry anymore. Because this happened or that happened. And I say, "Wait, wait a minute. The Lord wants you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have to stay busy. You have to stay active. And this passage of the scriptures gives us the five points that I believe that are very important for me and might be for you to stay active in the ministry. And don't wait until you get older now. Make it part of your life. Because you're not too young to start working on your own convictions. See, I'm tired of young people going to Bible colleges to learn and, and they've been taught right and then they change. Because they never settled their own convictions when they were going through school, they, they were just going through the motions. Okay, these are the rules, so I'm gonna make uh, just gonna make it so that I don't get in trouble. But how to prepare for real life? When you're out there, you're not gonna have somebody telling you what to do. When you're out there, you're gonna have to have your own convictions out of the Bible. That you're gonna say, I'm gonna live. You know, believing this, practicing this, not because somebody's telling me to do it, because I have the conviction that I have to be doing this because the Lord wants me to do this. How can I, how can I stay active in my own salvation? Number one, allow God to speak to your heart. Always be tender to his leading. Verse 13 says, for, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Is he the one that works in you? If they didn't send you here, if you came here on your own, you say, I think I've been called to the ministry. I want to go to Bible college so I can prepare for the ministry. Nobody sent you. You decided to come? That means that the Lord was working in your heart. Now, if they send you, I'm sorry for you. (laughs) Because you're probably having a hard time. But if you have been called, and you're here because you want to be here, it's because the Lord spoke to your heart. Whether in your church, your home, or a youth camp, or youth conference, you came forward. And you said, I want to uh, uh, surrender my life to serve Jesus Christ. And then you sign up for college. Remember that day when he called you? Don't ever forget it. Always allow him to work in your heart because he works in you, the Bible says, to will. He puts in your heart the wish, the desire to serve him. He uh, will work in you to, and give you that to do, the ability to do it. Not only he will give you the ability, but he will give, provide the resources to do his will. Amen. And when you lose the desire to serve him, that means that he's no longer working in you. He's not going to force you. Kind of got quiet here. He's not going to force you. He will speak to you. But then you will have the, uh, <clears throat> the ability to say yes or no to his calling. So I assume that you're here because the Lord wants you here. And you decided to be here. And you say, I want to serve him. So keep that tender heart Stay in his will. Allow him. Second, number, number two. Do not allow... A bad disposition hinder you. Verse 14 says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Disputing, arguments, murmuring. When you start talking, when you had a bad attitude. Because somebody did something to you, say something that you didn't, didn't like, Something happened that you were disappointed so, so much that you got bitter. You have bitterness in your heart. Bitterness will destroy you. And I don't know what's going on in, in your life. I don't know if college is what you expected it to be. Don't allow bitterness to sit in, set, set in your heart in your minds, because that will destroy you. Uh, look, please, in Hebrews twelve fifteen. Are you still here with me? Amen. Say Amen. It says Hebrews twelve fifteen. Looking diligently lest any man fail to the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know, when you allow bitterness in your heart, that will destroy you. Uh, That might be a result of complaints and arguments with other people. Example, teachers, administrators, supervisors or simply other students. Something's going to happen with somebody. And bitterness, listen to this, only comes when you have problems with somebody, with a person. You allow the bitterness to stay in your heart, it's going to destroy you. So you want to stay active, you want to be serving the Lord Always. Allow God to speak to your heart. Second, don't let bitterness because a situation happened that you have no control of. You couldn't control it, and then you got bitter. And then you start hating people, hating situations, hating the work of God, even hating God. Be careful. I say, Oh, no, Pastor, that's not, no, nothing bothers me. Really? have been among many young people that have bitterness in their heart against their parents, their siblings, their church, their pastor, their youth pastor. Hello? You know, I'm talking to some of you. I didn't come here to impress you, but I come here to help you. Because I want to be active. I want to be working. Uh, I have been 35 years in the ministry. And I, I, I wish I could tell you everything was fine. Everything was good. No disappointments. No, I, I never cry. i never been sad. I, I, I wish I could tell you that. But it never happened like that. But I'm glad they're still serving the Lord. And I have joy about it. I'm happy about it. You know Why? Because I, I still allow the Lord to speak to my heart. Because some you will not allow to have a bad disposition, disposition because that will hinder me to do what I need to do for the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I know it's, it's the year two thousand eighteen. Because some of you think that we're so old <laughs> that we don't understand what's going on, and I'm sick and tired of that. Pastor, we're millennials. You're still sinners. (laughs) You need us not that we change to your form or conform to your way of living. You need to learn to live the way you should live to approve what the Lord wants you to be. We've got to get to to there. (laughs) We'll get there soon enough. Number three. Ready? Live a holy life as much as possible. Live a holy life. Verse 15 says, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world what the Bible says. We are to live as children of God, blameless, harmless, harmless, without review. We are also to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. That's where we are right now. As I see uh, <clears throat> our country, And I see Iran and I say, man, what's going on here? So crazy. (laughs) So when I come to a place like this and I see all these young people, I say, man, there's still hope. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Because we're supposed to be impacting this world. We're not supposed to conform to this world. You know every generation says, "Oh, this generation is so bad." That's what we used to say 30 years ago. <laughs> but we had to learn back then, how to live holy life, even though it was hard for us at that time. And I know it's hard for you, but it's no hard if you decide that you can just please the Lord. You don't have to be like them. who? Who is them? The world. The young people that don't believe. See, the older generation did not become hippies to reach the hippies. As a young Hispanic man, I didn't become a a, a, a gang member just to, to reach gang members. I don't have to become homosexual to reach the homosexuals. There's a problem with that when we say we have to be like the culture we're trying to reach. Well, you don't have to be like the culture we are trying to reach. But you have to be the Christian that the Lord wants you to be. Because the power is not how we dress, how we talk. The power is who we have behind us, who's supporting us, who is giving us power. It's still the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. You talk to a sinner, you don't see how they look, you don't see how they dress, just talk to them about Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will bring them to, to him. Amen. Number four. It's only five points. I love this one. Hold forth the word of life. Verse 16, it says, hold forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I was looking at the dictionary because, you know, it's English is not my first language. I understood what hold forth means, but I want to find the real, what it really means. And I came up with this uh, definition maintain your position in the Word of God. That's very powerful. Maintain your position. It's like we're being attacked, but you, as men and women of God, you just maintain your position. Don't move. Don't move. Hold forth your position. It's like an order. Have your own convictions about what you believe based on the Bible. Because you know look around you, and in 20 years, things are going to change again. You cannot be changing every time the culture changes. You have to hold to maintain your position, but my question is, do you have a position? Or is it a borrowed position? Well, I believe this because my dad believes that way. I believe this because my church believes that way. I believe like this because Pastor Chapo believes that way. I believe like this because my pastor believes that way. My question is, what do you believe? You cannot be changed with the times. Or the next popular preacher on TV? What is your position? I hope the silence is because you're thinking about it. What do you really believe? Do you really believe what you hold in your hands is the word of God? Do you really believe what it says? You know how we're losing our our Baptist distinctives? The first one, the Bible is the best for our faith. But we forgot the practice part. And we don't even want to preach about it. I'm not that old, only 57 years old. But some of the preachers are are afraid to preach the word of God. Afraid to preach, okay, the the doctrine, yes, the, the teaching, yes. But how about the practice? Why are we so afraid to apply rightly the word of God? We're not going to force anybody. But uh, when I was young, man, we used to hear preaching, heart preaching. And we were ready to come forward. We were ready to say amen. And some of those old preachers already passed away. But we young generation back then, we said, that's what I like. but That's what I believe. But it, now it's not their belief. It's my belief. I was talking to an old preacher. He came to our church. He must be 75, 76. And the way he preached, my young people, my young people said, Pastor, bring him again. And they said, millennials, we have never heard Preaching like this. And I told him, I told him, this is old school preaching. To be honest with you, this is what they say. We have never heard a white preacher preach like this. (laughs) That's what they say. This guy is from the Jack Hiles generation. And I told this preacher, you're probably the last one of your generation. He used to preach with Dr. Rice. He was a young guy. So I told him, I said, you're the last one of your generation. He he said, I hope you are. I took a person and I said, why am I saying that you are the last of a generation? Why don't you? I take the same beliefs and carry it to the next generation? That's why I was happy to come here. I preach every week in a, in a conference somewhere in the world in Spanish. So for me, it's hard to come here and try to convey this to you. But at the same time, I say, but these are young people. This is the next generation. What kind of America are we going to have? We cannot keep going after this, I'm sorry to say but perverse generation that we live in. Yeah, it is. Crooked generation. And we're just going after them. This world goes that way, we're supposed to go that way. I'm going to say it again because I guess you didn't understand it. If the world goes this way, you're not supposed to be following them, being like them. You're supposed to go the other way, Amen. and then you're gonna say, "How are we gonna reach them?" Have you heard about the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Have you heard about the power of God? Amen. You don't know want to so sad, but you—the churches that we used to call liberals—that went into this mega church movement—they say we. Had successful, we were successful in reaching the multitudes, but we failed because we didn't teach them about the the the, the fear of God. So they already try all of these things in the world. Now they say we got to go back to the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I know independent Baptists are saying, "Let's try that." It failed. It's failing. We live in a time where we have more mega churches than ever. But how is our country? Are we making any change? So we need to get back this to the Bible. Preach the Bible, teach, uh, believe the Bible, but practice the Bible, obey the Bible. But you're afraid they're going to say, oh, you're fanatics. How about being a good Christian? Oh, that's extreme. How about being obedient? Maintain your position. But have one first. Romans twelve one. By the way, I'm having a good time. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm enjoying this. Romans twelve one. Have it there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing renewing, of your mind. That you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, we have to start thinking differently. I don't know where we lost our direction. But the only way to lose your direction is that you don't hold forth (laughs) the word of life. Because if you stay close to this book, you're not going to lose your direction. But don't come to read it just for the sake of reading it. Because I have a goal of reading the Bible truth in the year. Just come to the, to the Bible and read it to obey it. What since the Bible says. What does the Lord wants me to, to do? I had a, about two, three weeks ago, a man in our church came and says... Uh, Pastor, remember when I came about a month ago, I said, yes, I remember you. He had a long hair up up to here. And he said, I'm half Mexican and half uh, Cherokee, something like that. I said, okay. He said, did you see that I cut my my hair a little bit? (laughs) I said, yeah, half. (laughs) And then he said, somebody told me that if I don't cut my hair all the way, that I'm not going to go to heaven. So I said, they lied to you. That's not true. You go to heaven because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by works, but what he did for you. I said, that's what I said. (laughs) So I said, I know, but whoever told you is wrong. But now that you're saved, (laughs) it's a different story. I said, what do you mean? Because being a a Native, Native American, he says, that's our culture. I said, okay. But you don't go by your culture. Right. Now that you're saved, you go by what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. And as, at the time I said, the Bible says that it's a shame for a man to have a, a long hair. I said, no. <laughs> That's why I said, no. Like some of you are saying, no. Because <laughs> you have a short hair because they make you cut it, right? So I said, I, I'm not exactly what it is, I said, but I was right about to preach. And I said, after seven, let's talk about it. And I will. But it's around 1 uh, Corinthians, I said, 12, uh, 11, uh, no, 12, 13, somewhere in there. But I can find it for you and show it to you. And he said, i look, I look it up. So he came back the next week and he says, Pastor, let me tell you this. First Corinthians 11, 14. I read it, I pray about it, and look at my hair. I cut it off. <laughs> and I said, praise God. Now this guy has a, has a conviction. He went to read his Bible, read it in the Bible, pray about it, cut his hair. I don't have to preach hard to this man. Well, I will have to show him what the Bible says and he will obey it. How about some uh, college students, Bible students, obeying the Bible? The Bible, you say you're going to be teaching. <laughs> I said I was young once, and I've seen some of my peers change, Pastor. They change. I said, why do you change? Because we're in different times. I said, but the Bible hasn't changed. So you, you're either wrong now or you were wrong 20 years ago. So are you, were you wrong 20 years ago or are you wrong now? That's why I don't change. Because I think 20 years ago I was right. Because it was a Bible conviction. Very simple. One plus one, two. <laughs> I don't know why we make it so difficult. It's very simple. But well, you believe now, if it is Bible-based, you will believe it 20, 25, 30 years down the road. I'm not being mean about it. i just seeing it. And then we have young people trying to teach us, thinking that, like, if we're fighting, we're not fighting. We're happy that young people are being called into the ministry. I'm happy when I see a young pastor. You know what? I bring to our church a lot of young pastors. I don't feel threatened by them. I, I like to usher them in, to the ministry and help them when they go to either start a church or, or or a mission field. I have an issue when they change that because they're young. They do have an issue. You shouldn't be changing. Amen? Amen. But don't say it because I ask you to say it. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is have your own conviction based on the Bible, because at the end, it is the Bible that changes lives. Go to First Thessalonians. I still got seven minutes, and I will quiz every every minute. First Thessalonians, find it, please. I know it's there. (laughs) 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye receive the word of God which ye heard of us ye receive it, it not as the word of man but as it is in truth the word of God, I like this, which effectually or efficiently worketh also in you that believe. You know, I have heard many, many, many preachers that have been a blessing to me. But when I went to Long Beach almost 29 years ago, across the street from First Baptist where I was working for 24 years, there's a retirement home. There was a lady, Mrs. Clefford, 90 years old, blind, but a great believer. So she heard that the new Spanish pastor came to First Baptist, and he said, I want to meet him. So I went to see her, and I spoke to her. And she said, oh, are you married? Yes, I'm married. How many kids do you have? I got uh, two kids. And she said, can you bring them? I want to get to know them. So next week I came back, brought my wife, my two girls, and she was talking to them and touching their dresses. And I said, "Dresses, <laughs> no pants, dresses." And she said, "Oh, this is beautiful." She was touching them. I'm like what color are they? And start talking to my girls. And then he, she turned to me and she said, "Pastor, can I give you a, a, an advice?" And I said, okay, you know, what harm is she going to make? (laughs) 90 years old, blind, (laughs) very fragile. Yeah, give me advice. And she turned to me. She was trembling like this, and she went like that. And she said, Pastor, preach the word of God. Teach the word of God. And the word of God will change people's lives. And the Lord will give you his power. And I believed her. (laughs) No, it, it, it wasn't a conference. I wasn't crying or anything, but I was under conviction. So I decided to teach, just to teach the Word of God. And I was teaching a book of the Bible in Sunday school, a book of the Bible during the morning service, a book of the Bible in the evening service, and a book of the Bible Wednesday night. I was teaching four books of the Bible verse by verse. And I started, people started coming, people started being saved. I was growing in in, in knowing more about the Word of God and I was obeying it. Let me tell you, the Lord did a miracle's work because the people started growing in Christ. Lives were changed by the power of the Word of God. So I'm glad that I believed it. And I still believe it. I still preach it every, every week. I don't go with the times. I go with the Bible. Amen? Amen. And I love to do expository preaching. And I teach my students. I say, it's not what I'm teaching you. is what the Bible teaches us. Amen. I have to finish. Too bad. Make sure, please make sure that all, that all the time and money invested in you was not in vain. Because a lot of people have invested time in you. Your parents, your church has invested time and money. Your pastor. Make sure it was worth it. Please, look what it says there. Verse 16, the last part of verse 16. Well, even 16. Forbidden to ask, oh, no, no. Ah. 16, the last part. Holding forth the word of life that, some of you are awake, right? That I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain. Neither labor in vain. Yeah. And if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. He's saying, hey, hold forth the word of God. Stay faithful. Serve the Lord. Because I have dedicated time I have worked with you. I have labor in you. I have sacrificed for you. Make it worth it. I think about my, my, my wife, my kids, my friends, my parents. So I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fail the Lord. And that keeps me holy, active. Good uh, attitude, happy to serve him, enjoying my family, enjoying being, I'm just enjoying being here. Because a lot of people invested in me. So I'm making sure that they, 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 they don't say, oh, you know, remember that, that guy, remember that guy, remember that pastor? And it hurts when I hear about somebody not in the ministry anymore because they failed because something happened. I said, no, come on. Sometimes for five minutes of pleasure. Just being selfish. I tell our people, I say, when it, whenever you're about to do something dumb, think about your kids, think about your wife. Now you're young, think about your parents. Your friends. Hello. Sometimes we are we as leaders wonder if it is worth it with 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 some of you. I hope you turn out to be the ones that we said, oh man, that young man, that young lady. Look, they're serving the Lord. It was worth it. Amen. Let me say this, but to finish only by staying active in our own salvation, we will have the joy of living the Christian life. I feel sorry for those that don't do nothing for the Lord. Imagine just being a Sunday morning Christian. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I need to be active. I need, to, I, need, I need to be serving the Lord, being busy, doing something. Amen? Amen? My wife and I yesterday spent seven hours just visiting the sick. <laughs> and we were driving, I mean, everywhere. Seven hours. We came back home tired. It was almost 9, 9 p.m. when we came back. It was nine hours, really. But I was so happy. Say, Amen. I'm doing what the Lord called me to do. Pastor, these people, preach the word of God. Amen? Because that's the only way I'm going to enjoy being a Christian. Don't ever get tired of serving the Lord. Verse 17 says, yeah, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 18, for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. but he's saying is, you want to have the joy that I have? Get busy like, like I am. That's what he's saying. Many things came to my life, Paul is saying. But you know what? I always allow God to work in my heart. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of enemies. A lot, a lot of people that want to destroy me, but I will not let bitterness destroy me. A bad attitude. I will still serve the Lord. In fact, he says, I don't have any excuse. In this perverse world, I will shine as light. And I will hold forth the word of God. And you know what? I will keep rejoicing. <laughs> Because everything that I have done is not in vain. Every sacrifice that I have made is not in vain. So that's why we're still here. (laughs) Where are you going to be in 20 years? Where are you going to be in 10 years? Where are you going to be in January? It all depends. And don't you don't have any excuse? Oh, it's because this and that. Because no, no, no. Work out your own salvation. This is personal. If I don't continue, I don't have anybody else to blame. It's me. It's me. Why do you make today hard decisions? I don't care what happened to others. As far as my walk with God. This is between him and I. It's between me and the Lord. And I'm active now, now, and I will continue until he comes for me. Let us pray. Let's all stand, please. I don't think I have to make a long invitation if the Lord spoke to you, would you come and speak to the Lord? Allow God to speak to your heart. At least come Lord, how come you didn't speak to me? If anything, We've read the Word of God. Did He speak to you when you were reading the Bible? (laughs) Is there anything you want to tell the Lord? Please come. Come here. Speak to Him. Humble yourself. Oh, Pastor, I don't have to come forward and kneel down just because you said so. Yeah, but why wouldn't you? It's true, you don't have to. But why wouldn't you come? Remember when I used to come? been a long time. I'm just giving you a chance. Thank you. God bless you. Who else is going to come forward? Kneel right there. Speak to the Lord. Tell him what you need.